Welcome to Trauma Talk. I'm Cheryl, a teacher, hypnobirthing teacher, doula and birth keeper. And if you don't know me already, I love talking about trauma, but in particular birth trauma, even though it's all linked together. And that's what this podcast is for, to talk about trauma, to talk about birth trauma and explore how that all links together. I'm not from a clinical background and I don't have a medical degree, but I'm talking from the point of view of human experience, my own human experience and the things that I've learned and the experiences of those who I've been lucky enough to support in their journeys to more often than not healing birth, which is what they were setting out to do. So thank you so much for being here. If you have any suggestions for what we should be talking about or any suggestions for guests or you want to put yourself forward, then please get in touch at Cheryl at simplynatal.co.uk or find me on Instagram or Facebook as Simply Natal, the healing birth doula. Enjoy. Hello, welcome to episode three. I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Please do get in touch to let me know if you've got any comments or questions or anything anything that comes up for you. Um, I realised that the first two episodes have been um, very trauma heavy. So episode three is going to be about the healing birth hierarchy of needs. I realise that I might have people who are pregnant listening or planning a pregnancy listening and perhaps birth workers hoping to help people to have those pregnancies after trauma as well. So this one can hopefully be a really positive addition to your birth preparation or your support of other people. You might have heard me talking about the healing birth hierarchy of needs before. I have mentioned it a few times and I talk about it in my um, trauma-informed birth work course that I teach to birth workers. So what is it? I hear you ask. Um, So have you heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs? If you haven't heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I'll give you a little bit of a rundown. And you can go find out more if you want to. Um, Abraham Maslow was an American psychologist. And he created the hierarchy of needs or the, it's, it's known as Maslow's hierarchy or Maslow's pyramid. And it was it was in the around the 1950s. It might have been like 1943. Don't quote me. Um, So it's been around a while. It's been around a while and it's a model known to many people working in psychology. It should be known to people working in psychology, but it's also known um, beyond that as well. And I first learned about it actually when I was doing my PGCA and training to be a secondary school teacher. And that made a lot of sense when you know what it is, because you can't expect a student to 
give their best and achieve their best if they are not having their most basic needs met, i.e. child comes to school without having had their breakfast or perhaps, you know, they haven't had enough sleep and we're expecting them to work to the best of their ability today. Um, no, that's not going to happen, is it? Um, so it's recognising that we do have needs that need to be met in order for us to achieve the highest level of our existence and our potential. And what I find interesting, especially as an RE teacher, is that what Maslow was trying to do was to bring together the two ideas that were very prevalent in the US at the time that he was alive, um, one of which was focused um, almost entirely on spiritual needs and kind of given up all of our worldly goods in order to be um, more connected to God and our our spirit, our soul, perhaps. And another um, kind of way of thinking, which was gaining popularity, was the idea that we only need to meet these basic needs of food and shelter and um, that kind of thing. And a, a more materialistic view of life being about us having the things that we need and there being nothing else beyond that that we need. So a more kind of agnostic or atheist view. And Maslow aimed in his hierarchy to bring the two of those planes together. And he created his pyramid, which has, let me count them, one, two, three, four, five, um, five sections so if you imagine a triangle and I'll I'll perhaps link to a picture or something in the show notes as well so that you can see what it looks like although if you do a quick google you'll find it anyway um five levels of the this pyramid or triangle and if we imagine it like a building then the the foundations of that triangle are at the very bottom and each each level needs the one below it to be placed upon it so the ones above can't really exist without the ones below holding it up so at the very bottom as you might expect we've got the physiological needs and the physiological needs um, are things like food and water and shelter and, you know, the, those basic needs that we have to survive and the needs that our body has. And we then build upon that with safety needs, you know, because we can have all of the things, but we need to be safe on top of that. And that safety could be having... Um, financial security in the world that we live in so that we might have shelter but we also have the security of knowing that shelter is going to be there next month and the month after as well um, that safety might include um, things to do with our body but it might also include things to do with our mind and our emotions and our psychological safety the next one above that is about connection and about love and belonging. 
So us needing the, in order to have those relationships, those good connected relationships and feel like we belong, we need to have the safety and the physiological needs met first. But in order for us to get any higher up the pyramid, we need to have that secure uh, love and attachment um, that we we might get from family or relationships with others and, and I suppose relationship to ourselves as well. Um, moving up to the next level then, we have the esteem needs. And those esteem needs are a, a lot to do with how we feel about ourselves and whether we are acknowledged for the work that we do as well you know having that nod that um you know acknowledgement that we have done a good job and having the belief within us that we've also done a good job as well um and at the very peak of the pyramid is the self-actualization so of course we could live perfectly happy lives perhaps or maybe we maybe we can't i don't know um if we were uh you know, above the safety needs somewhere, you know, we've got that love and belonging and, you know, we can, we can be okay. We can be perfectly happy there, but we often find that as human beings, we actually have a drive for more and we want to achieve more. And we don't always know what that is. We might spend our life aiming to figure that out. Um, But the self-actualization at the very top is about us really becoming our best selves and achieving our potential and doing the thing that we really want to do. I really love Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, It really sets out for us how important some things are that we might not always give attention to and how we need an awful lot of things to be in place for us to achieve our, our most peak desires. So it's not our fault if we don't get there, if we've got something missing lower down the hierarchy. Do you see what I mean? Now, what I've done with Maslow's hierarchy is I've made it into something that's specific for birth. And you can probably see how easily it can be transferred for birth anyway, because if we need those things in life, then we need those things in birth too, don't we? But to be more specific, what I'm talking about with the heal and birth hierarchy of needs, and I suppose we could just call it the birth hierarchy of needs. um, And I'll explain as I go along. Um, The very bottom, the physiological needs. What we need at this point is to have our all of our needs met on a physiological level specific to our body doing this big job of giving birth so we need to breathe we need to be able to breathe to be able to focus on breathing so not being panicked can include be included in that and it might mean being reminded of that as well so the breath really important our body needs all of the oxygen and oxygenated blood to be transported around our body and to our uterus for us to be able to do this job we need to be fed and watered um we need energy um, and we need hydration we need those things anyway in life but if we are doing a big physical feat as birth is then we need that especially 
And I do find it interesting when I'm talking to people about this, especially after they've had a difficult birth or a traumatic birth, um, because sometimes they'll say, well, well, that it makes sense then now that I can see that because I wasn't allowed to eat in labour or um, for some reason just didn't end up eating for 24 hours or something like that. And it makes sense then that they couldn't have got any higher up the pyramid because they were not having those needs met. And it's very hard for the body to do its job during labour and birth without being fed and watered. Um, we might also include in the in this physiology bit the temperature. Um, temperature can be important for birth temperature of our surroundings and um, where we are and maybe if we're in in a pool the, the temperature of that water um, or in a bath and also comfort as well you know comfort isn't an extra thing on top of the physiological needs we we, we need a certain level of comfort to be okay um, because the next level of the pyramid is safety and we can't feel safe if our if our comfort is out of control so if we are feeling in a lot of pain and unable to cope and not being supported with the right kind of relief that we need in that moment then we can't feel safe so comfort measures become an important part of the basic physiological needs for birth so moving up then to the the safety needs and I've mentioned having comfort measures as part of that our our physical safety is important so our our body being in enough, enough comfort for us to be able to manage because the body matters and also the mind and our connection between the mind and the body so if we feel like we are coping then that's okay um but if it's overwhelming for us either in our mind or in our body then we're unlikely to feel safe so feeling safe mentally physically emotionally that can include knowing that we've got the right support around us to protect us so that we can surrender to what is going on um, and relax enough um, into birth. Um, It can be having all of our other needs in terms of safety met as well. Um, Spiritual safety, for example. I have done a post on this before where I've explained each of those things in a little bit more detail as well. Um, So I'll perhaps link to that in the show notes too. So physical, mental, emotional, spiritual safety. The thing about safety is it's going to look different for everyone, isn't it? There are certain things that, yes, we can perhaps agree on in terms of what will be safe for birth. But choosing a location for birth isn't any kind of guarantee of safety or feeling of safety for any for 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 all people. So one person might feel completely safe at home and another person might feel completely safe in the hospital and it's important that people make their choice depending on how they feel about their level of safety and the real 
real safety, as in real actual how looking at how safe they will be, their body and their baby will be in that place, but also considering how they are going to perceive that safety as well, because perceived safety is just as important as actual bodily safety. And we have to believe that we feel safe. If we are able to have those needs met, those safety needs and those physiological needs, then we could come out of birth feeling safe with with just those two levels met. So that's how we achieve a safe birth. And for me, that includes not just everyone being alive, but actually (laughs) us feeling at completely safe the whole time we might not necessarily feel amazing or empowered or um, particularly like or have particularly positive feelings necessarily but we feel safe and when we feel safe it's really hard to have a trauma response when we're feeling safe Um, because trauma usually is occurring when we don't feel safe so if we're protecting those things they're the bare minimum that we should be expecting to have met and expecting to plan for meeting um, because that's how we do everything we can to make this birth not traumatic which is important but we deserve a hell of a lot more than just a not traumatic birth we deserve way more than that and birth is birth is not supposed to be traumatic granted in some circumstances it's more likely um but birth the way that nature intended it is not supposed to be traumatic in the sense that it is for so many big and transformative absolutely but not traumatic in the way that it leaves people traumatized that I speak to anyway. Next level up then connection, love and belonging. And what we're saying here is having that connection. And we know, and we know if the birth workers who are listening know how important this is, because this is going to help us to produce the oxytocin that we need for birth to work and for us to feel nice this is how we get a positive birth by having this level met by having the connection needs the love the oxytocin flowing and and feeling safe and having our physiological needs met so all of those things lead to or are most likely to lead to a positive experience of birth but again i would question whether positive is it right is is that it is that all that we can expect from birth you know i want people to have positive experiences of birth absolutely that should be the absolute bottom bar though that should be that should go without saying that we are protecting people um, and their needs so that they can come away with a positive experience because you know 
the example I usually give is <laughs> you can have a positive experience of going to the dentist. I did just the other day and a positive experience of going to the dentist. Um, you wouldn't expect to have a negative experience, would you? You would be disappointed with a negative experience of going to the dentist. You want to have a positive one. You want to have a positive experience of going to the supermarket. You know, positive should be the bottom rung of the ladder. And then we can reach for higher. And that's why I really like using Maslow's hierarchy and using the hierarchy of needs in relation to birth, because it it gives us the opportunity to aim higher because we we can we can <laughs> we're allowed and we deserve it. And if we end up with a positive birth, then great. But we can also look higher than that. The next level up, the support and um, esteem. This, com- oh, this comes from being well supported, um, not just having a person there that might meet the um, connection, love and belonging needs, but actually being well supported and feeling as though the support that we've got really believes in us. That makes a difference. But some of this level, this esteem level, can't come from externally. It it only comes from internally inside us. It comes with us having the self-esteem, the self-respect, the trust, the belief in our bodies and our minds to be able to do this. And that's why it can be really tricky to have that with us on the day we give birth if we haven't paid attention to that before birth so you could turn up and have a positive birth by accident technically you could be lucky and have a positive birth by accident because you just so happen to have all of your physiological needs met you just so happen to accidentally feel safe and be safe and have all your safety needs met and you just so happen to have the right sort of love and connection needs from whoever's there whether that's a partner or midwife or caregiver and you just so happen to have those things and that made it a positive experience but it's much more unlikely for you to turn up and accidentally have an empowered birth, which is what we're looking at when we have these this esteem level met. Because often, often we don't have that, do we? As, as women and people socialised as women, we don't have the self-belief. We don't have the trust in our bodies. We don't always have great self-esteem and even if we have external confidence the confidence doesn't always go really deep down into us so often when I'm working with people that's that's the work that we're doing you know that's that's what we're working on we're working on building that in antenatally and of course the support element is important too. feeling supported and feeling like you've got your cheerleaders in place. You've got your birth team and they're going to look out for you. 
when you have all of those four things in place, that means that you can have an empowered birth. And the very top of the pyramid, the top of the hierarchy, the self-actualization when it comes to birth, it, it can be a controversial idea and I'm not sure why it's controversial um, because for me, it's just it just makes sense. Um, we have the dream birth, your dream birth. It's It can be hard for people to talk about because often people believe that if we are aiming for something high and something specific, like my absolute dream birth and this is this is how it's going to be and this is how I want to feel people get nervous about that sometimes and think if we're aiming for that then we are more likely to be disappointed if that doesn't happen but I challenge that idea and I use the hierarchy of needs to help me challenge that idea because what I want you to know is that You don't have to choose between a dream birth and a traumatic birth. There is so much more in between, (laughs) you know, not having the dream birth go the way you expected to doesn't mean that it will be a bad experience. It's not about choosing one or the other. It's not about all or nothing. You can aim for the dream birth. You can aim for the very top of that pyramid. And if you have ensured that all of your needs are met, you are much more likely to get that dream birth. There's an element of luck. There is an element of luck and and just everything working out. But most of it comes down to actual planning for that to happen. If we've put everything in place to provide all of those needs, the physiological, the safety, the love and belonging and the esteem needs, if all of those things are in place, we're more likely to achieve the birth that we want at the top of that pyramid. And if we don't, if for some reason it doesn't look exactly like we planned, it doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means we drop down to the the second to top level of the pyramid and and we can still have an empowered birth whatever it is that happens and that's that's what I support my clients to plan for and in most cases achieve not we plan for the dream birth And most of the time it happens that way. And sometimes it doesn't. But usually it's still an empowered birth experience because everything was in place for that to happen in the first place. So hopefully that's something that you can do something with. Plan for the birth that you dream of. and Don't be afraid of it. Because if we don't plan for it, how can we make it happen? We, we can't. It's not going to happen by accident. And 
I'm, I'm thinking, should I do this? Should I quote my secondary school head teacher from um, when I was at school? Because he used to say, aim for the moon. Because if you miss, you'll still be among the stars. I can't say I entirely understood what he was going on about when I was 12, 13, 14. Um, but it stuck with me because he said it enough times. And um, and yeah, I, I have to say I agree because otherwise, where where are we going to go? We're not going to go anywhere. We have to aim high. We have to keep pushing for what we believe in and what we feel as though is important to us. Because otherwise, what what is our alternative? Just to give up and not try at all. Um, it certainly wouldn't be ethical in other professions for us to tell people not to bother. Not to bother planning, not to bother having an idea of what you want. Um, if I go back to where I you know my my previous profession in secondary school teaching as an example there's there's no way it would be okay for me as a teacher or for any teacher to tell a student that they shouldn't bother applying for university or they shouldn't bother aiming to go into a particular career if that's what they want then we look at what do we what do we do to get there then? And we know and acknowledge that not all plans work out. Not all plans will mean that you end up doing that thing that you set out to. But also, we we can be pretty confident that you'll end up on a trajectory that you've chosen still. It will still be a better direction than you doing nothing. And it would be a better direction than you giving up on your life and on your dreams. So, I, yeah, I, I question how ethical it is for um, healthcare professionals in particular to tell people to not bother planning for the birth that they deserve or not. Um, there's no point in having a birth plan and it, it all, you know, it'll all depend on the day anyway. You know, in some respects it does. We know that. But there's a lot we can do. And planning for meeting your own needs and having your needs met is a really important thing that you can do in planning for a birth that not only isn't traumatic and not only is positive, but is actually empowering and potentially healing for you in ways that you didn't even expect. So, thank you so much. I'm going to stop talking now. And um, if you have any feedback or any questions, then please get in touch. Thank you.